Boom! You looking for this? Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back. It's been a week. I gotta tell you, I'm still exhausted from that Marvel conversation. <laughs> well, luckily for you, we're gonna have plenty more of it because we're back to figure out who is the best Marvel movie. And you've all been asking for it and we're giving it to you because it's been a long discussion. We still haven't even touched on some of our movies quite yet. Uh, And in order to fully crown and truly crown the winner of this bracket, we've brought back Travis. Travis, what's going on? How you guys doing? Very happy to be back. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. We, We loved your insight last time because had it just been the two of us, we would have gotten too much wrong, had too many questions, and probably advanced the wrong thing. So we're very happy to have it you. It feels nice to actually do something with this knowledge for once rather than just talk to my <laughs> wife about it. <laughs> okay, so before we go any further, I definitely leaned heavily on my spoonful of sugar last week, so let's get into it again. It's, it's a necessary uh, sidekick for us to have here. Kyle, what are you drinking in the Bay Area? Yeah, so last week I made a cocktail inspired by uh, Hawkeye himself. And this week I am honoring the God of Thunder, the also powerful, the strongest Avenger, Thor, by having myself a beer. I am having a, uh, what are they calling this thing? The en- <laughs> enigmatic, in. Enigmatron. Enigmatron. They call it the Enigmatron Pale Ale. It's from Faction Brewery here in the East Bay. Um, I've had it before. It's very delicious. Uh, Chris, when you were on your beer journey, this actually was a beer that I thought you'd probably enjoy uh, as you were diving further into the ales worlds. Uh, This one's a nice kind of even uh, taste between that pale ale and that IPA land. And I enjoy it a lot. So that's going to be my spoonful this week. Chris, what you've got? This one's pretty cool. This one is called Superhero Sidekicks IPA. It's from <laughs> Kings County Brewers Collective, which wow. is based in Brooklyn, New York. And I kind of referenced a few episodes ago about how cool beer artwork is these days. Check this out. This is like some dope superhero artwork yeah. on this thing. It's pretty awesome. And it's called Superhero Sidekicks, and I didn't really realize or it didn't really register with me until I grabbed this beer that there aren't really any sidekicks in the MCU. It's like big heroes Sam, only. Sam, Sam's kind of a sidekick. He even refers to himself as a sidekick. Yeah. Bucky's and, a and little bit you, of a sidekick. Uh, yeah, you got like Happy, maybe Jarvis is kind of a sidekick-ish, but you know, you, you don't got those robins you know or those uh uh what's superman's uh, sidekick jimmy uh, jimmy something <laughs> and crypto the, crypto uh, the dog sure let's try this beer out though 
Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. It's a, it's a Citra, Mosaic, Idaho 7, Centennial, and Cascade Hops, Barley, Wheat, and Oats blend. 6.9% alcohol. So you got a, a nice little uh, nice little kick there. Uh, Travis, what do you got? I have water. It's uh, yes. what Dr. Strange uh, pushes back to keep from crushing everybody in Endgame and allows the big battle to take place. So water it is this week. Yeah. Dr. Strange's glass of H2O. <laughs> Excellent. Just to remind everyone where our field of 16 came from, where our seedings came from, we asked WandaVision conspiracy theorists. So we asked conspiracy theorists what the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is. We got our field of 16. We whittled it down to a field of eight last episode after a lengthy discussion about some great Marvel movies. To remind you where we We'll pick up our Elite Eight matchups. We've got the number one seed, Avengers Endgame, versus number eight, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number four, Black Panther, versus number five, Thor Ragnarok. Number two, Captain America Winter Soldier, versus number seven, The Avengers. And number three, Avengers Infinity War, versus number six, Captain America Civil War. We've got a lot of Avengers left on the board here. I think we also, and I could be wrong, we're 80 episodes into this podcast. This is a one through eight, elite eight. And I don't know that we've ever done that. We've had some close to getting through the top, but like we usually upset at least one in the first round of 16. And we didn't this time. I guess the WandaVision conspiracy theorists <laughs> kind of maybe got the rankings right? Question mark. I think this is where we get some upsets, though. This is where we, we, we start to see some winners uh, be revealed. I'm still salty about Doctor Strange not being able to upset Avengers Endgame. Let's go ahead and get, get back into this here. Speaking of Avengers Endgame, start with the first matchup. It's number one, Avengers Endgame versus number eight, Guardians of the Galaxy. Kyle, I went first last week. Do you want to take us away with this one? Totally. So uh, Avengers Endgame was not even the better of the two like of infinity avengers in my opinion infinity war story wise was much better but we're not talking about that and i'll get into infinity war when we get to it but avengers endgame um time travel guys this is time, time travel's travel. messy it's tough you know if you're not bill and ted you have no business doing <laughs> time travel in a movie and this is uh you know I said at the very top of the last show about what makes Marvel movie and them being able to poke fun at, at themselves. They do that with time travel. They when there's multiple instances in this movie where they try to explain it and then make a joke about trying to explain it by referencing other time travel movies. Um, the thing is, though, as a viewer, the time travelness breaks my brain. Not only do we have to deal with overall time time being changed pre and post snap who's alive who isn't who's alive if you've died in the time travel that was pre-snap but also post snap at the same time who comes back when the revitalizing snap happens it hurts simple-minded kyle's brain when i'm trying to understand exactly one where everybody is and two what they're actually trying to do not only was 
the uh trying to remember where each infinity stone came from to begin with <laughs> a, a huge struggle for me uh now i have to go back in time and try and like wait was that where that was oh wait is that how that happened and uh it's it was so distracting for me you brought this up when you had when we first talked about it they tied it up as well as you could tie it up in this uh, as far as like an ending to a saga goes. But there's points along the way that it felt like they were trying to do too much tying up. And this is, I'm referring to Tony meeting his dad uh, for a quick beat. Rogers in, uh, in Carter's office in that same kind of time travelness, uh, And then Thor revisiting his mom. It felt like they were trying to get us emotionally invested at a time that we were already emotionally invested. Half the population of the earth was already gone. We already saw some of our favorite heroes disappear in infinity war. We're emotionally invested. It's time. Like we're ready to go, but to see like them have to tie up Stark's, uh, unwillingness to kind of come to terms with what happened to his father um, and with Steve forever being in love with uh, Carter, which ends up getting its way at the end of this movie anyways. And then Thor revisiting his mom, which was, I don't know, maybe I missed it, but him losing his mom up until Endgame didn't seem to be a factor in a whole lot, except for, I guess, in Infinity War when he talks to Rocket about it. But um, did I miss something along the way? Like, was that moment supposed to try and be as emotional as they wanted it to be? Thor Dark World was a movie of two extremes. It was either incredibly awful and bit off way more than it can chew, or it slowed down and had some really good scenes. Some of those being ones with Frigga in them. Okay. And so, yes, you probably just don't remember it, but. She has a couple of good scenes with Thor and Loki in Dark World. Okay. Then that's probably why. Um, I just don't remember it from that. I don't blame you at all. Like <laughs> a lot that, of people block that movie out from their memories. From that, yeah. Cause from that one movie. And that's the thing. Like, if that was such an issue, I wish that along the way, even in like Ragnarok, we would have revisited his emotional, uh, his his inability to find closure with losing his mom. And that's kind of what that scene felt like it came down to because he was acting, uh, you know, he knew that the that they had traveled back in time and he still wanted to not go along with the plan and go see his mom and that kind of, it just felt like there was something that I was missing and it was apparently dark world from my memory. It's like there were already so many loose strings to tie up they didn't need to create new strings to tie. Right. And that's what it felt like they were doing in those yeah. instances. Um, but what I did absolutely love, I mean, you cannot not get unless I don't know. I feel like I'm going to say this and then Chris is like, <laughs> I didn't. But you cannot <laughs> not get goosebumps when squad rolls through all of those portals and they all start showing up. Chris, tell me what you got. Uh, I'm s- I hate I hate myself for smiling so big (laughs) when all those portals opened up. I was like, I hate this, but I'm smiling right now and I'm into it. And like, this is kind of like what I have learned 
is that I get it. Like, I get Avengers now. After watching all these and investing so much time into it, I get it. And I feel the tiny serotonin rush you get when, like, you see a character you recognize. It's so weird. Yeah. But, like, it makes you happy and, for some and reason. And that, that final battle, too, is so similar to comic books at a, at a certain point. Many comic books, you'd open them up and you'd get this large splash page where you'd see like a big battle and, and, you know, you can look at little elements of it and, and see characters fighting and, and like, like Jim Lee created some great X-Men covers and, and comics that really fold out. And it's like Magneto at the center and then, you know, Psylocke in the background and all of this stuff. So like that scene, there's so much going on. It's like one of those long splash pages straight out of a comic book. I mean, it's beautiful. Like that, that scene could have been so, you know, darkened uh visually to where we couldn't actually tell about how many who they were but this was like so beautifully laid out to show us every instance of who's showing up through these portals howard the duck he shows up (laughs) thank god for that question mark (laughs) uh and yeah so goosebumps for me i knew chris would hate it but i'm happy to hear that uh there is the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. When I, I hate myself. It. I hate myself for loving it. Yeah. So that, so that battle, right? This is a, <laughs> a major portion. I'm kind of dismissing the time travel stuff because it frustrates my brain so much. So I'm going to like what really appealed to me, which was this, um, this battle scene. Not only do you get black Panther, the running back, with the gauntlet just straight <laughs> stiff arming fools hurtling over everyone every single time uh you have that kind of clumsy peter parker which i get what you guys were saying last episode with like once he has these powers and puts on the suit he's a little bit more cocky and he should be a little bit more confident but i kind of like that that aspect that this is a teenage kid with like a ton of power that he does not know how to harness quite yet uh and so him being able to like have that gauntlet and try and run it back to to where it needs to go and he has to be assisted the entire way uh with the valkyrie picking him up and him having to freaking introduce him to every hero he meets along the way something very endearing about that to me and i i enjoyed it and then of course one of the biggest payoffs maybe uh, in the MCU is when Cap can grab the freaking hammer, bro. Like, we see the hint of it in Ultron, and we don't... I mean, as a non-comic book reader, I don't know what that meant. Like, you definitely caught it when uh, they're having the, the hammer-lifting competition, and no one can move it, but Cap lifts it up, like, not even lifts it up, budges it, and... F- they pan to Thor, who's just like, what the hell just happened? He's, like, he's worried the Cap's going to be able to pick it up, yeah. Right, exactly. He's just like, oh. To have that payoff, if you missed it, then this was just kind of like, oh, cool. Like, Thor can, or Cap can grab the hammer. But to know that happened in Ultron and then see it in Endgame, it's just, mm, I, I love it. I and, love it. And that is a thing straight out of the comic where, where Cap okay. can lift the hammer. And, and if you go back to that Ultron scene, too, uh, Black Widow says, no, nah, it's not a question that I need answered. She also wields the hammer in the comics for a bit. So she oh. is worthy. The question is, can Cap wield the hammer in Ultron 
but he fakes out Thor because he doesn't want to show him up or is he not worthy yet? I feel like he can do it and doesn't want to show him up. Yeah, I wonder what that concept of worthiness is and like what it was about Cap in that moment that might not have made him worthy. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe that's a great question. That's a whole podcast in itself. Let's have you back for an episode. Everybody can wield the hammer. Vision can wield the hammer. Beta Ray Bill, who you can see his his face, he's sort of like a horse faced creature. Uh, you can see his face on the on the side of a building in uh, as a former champion uh, in Ragnarok. He can wield the hammer. So like oh. a lot of the universe can wield that hammer. Just not a lot of these guys. Okay. Okay. Well. <laughs> It's real special here in the MCU. For sure. And it was awesome. And then how he was able to use that hammer to fight Thanos was just as amazing. He throws the hammer at Thanos. Hammer comes back. He throws the shield at the hammer. The hammer hits Thanos. Like that little seven second clip of him just absolutely decimating Thanos, dual yielding these two powerful weapons, one that is like a weapon and then Travis, as you brought up, the other that's defense and them pairing together to kind of take down this massive evil was great. And then the best payoff is Tony's arc ending with this kind of selfless move uh, after everybody assuming that he's kind of just this selfish guy and he does a ton of selfish things throughout the entire arc, his (laughs) throughout his entire 23 movies. Uh, And you kind of see him as we go on gradually let that go. But his ego is still there and his pride is still there. And he still wants to be kind of top dog decision maker and and lead. And here he is ending his life for the betterment of everybody, you know. Um, And then the best line of him saying, I am Iron Man again after saying it in the very first MCU movie. And apparently that line was uh, suggested by the editor of the movie. I don't think it was originally recorded. They had to go back and and record after the movie was filmed and drop that in there. Um, somebody better get that editor his money then. For real. Or her money because like, wow. Um, so the it's just such a great fight scene for fight scenes. And I hope that Chris didn't get motion sick during it because i just thought it was so fun to see everybody start battling and and go at it um and then i'll end on this note uh about this movie is that (laughs) old captain america at the very end looks like joe biden (laughs) literally the same person um and then in in the end credits of this movie when they kind of like tip their cap to all of this original avengers crew uh with the Avengers theme playing in the background. I have no like emotional ties to this brand or this, this series, the saga at all, but that was like another goosebumps moment for me. Like that was so cool. Uh, I loved that. I, I could watch that again over and over again, to be honest. (laughs) It's just so great. I like, can't imagine the people that were writing for this, franchise from day one you know and like yeah. the the sweetness that it must have been to watch that credit sequence roll with you know seeing the footage of young tony superimposed behind him and his signature on the screen like yeah 
I, I appreciated it, and I had like two weeks invested into the whole operation. I am one of those people that you're talking about, Chris, and and I was loving it. I thought it was such a fitting end to see their signatures across the screen and, and the outline uh. of the character, the silhouettes, and, and even the way that they ended it at the very end. You know, you sit through the seven, eight minutes of credits rolling, and then you just hear the hammer at the very end from Tony working in the cave. Like, just a great way to wrap it all up. Man, uh, yeah. So great, so great. Um, yeah, so given all of that and given my criticisms of Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, I'm going to move Endgame on past it here. So, Kyle, um, the Tony Stark, Howard Stark stuff, I personally loved that. I loved that they opened a new part of Tony's character in Endgame. I loved the introduction of the daughter and him being an actual father. I loved seeing Tony super broken at the beginning of the movie, hooked up to an IV bag, totally like washed up rock star Tony. And and that interaction with Howard, like that was the final little tiny keystone to the entire Tony Stark brick wall. Like, like he was, he was released from his earthly body in that one moment when, right. when he, he finally understood his father and he finally felt understood and, and found his place and his meaning. And, and See, that's what allows him to do that. I am Iron Man snap in the end. He's, he's choosing the greater good finally after we met him as that playboy billionaire who's kind of a scumbag. Like he's. Yeah. But He's doing I, it for everyone else. I just think that like that could have been translated into just his experience as being a father himself and wanting to be a better father than what he had experienced with his dad. And so that the focus was more on like family man Tony as opposed to like Tony can't move on spiritually and physically without having to go through this like time travel thing to like meet his dad i feel like that like his daughter would be more of the motivator and i wish it was than him finally feeling like he can close the door with his dad well fortunately there is an actual dad on this podcast right now so so why don't we ask him what what it's like do you have a a different appreciation for your own upbringing now that you are responsible for a younger life yeah i mean not to go too in depth but like i uh don't have a great relationship with my biological father uh you know when i was about 16 years old uh my mom started dating a guy that I call my dad. So, uh, you know, I, I, I am with riding with these writers as far as, uh, you know, the, the parental relationships of people. Um, I mean, Tony's whole reason for wanting to bring everybody back. He didn't need to do any of this. Like he turned down cap and said, I don't want to be a part of this, but like two things sort of, sort of got him into it. One, was Peter Parker. He felt like a father figure to Peter and wanted to bring him back, you know, looking at the the photo of him and, and you know, the, uh, which was, I think, behind a photo of him and his own father. So realizing like, right. here's my father, not a great father. Here's me as a father figure to this kid that doesn't have a father figure anymore because his father died and then his uncle died. I need to bring this kid back. That's one part of it. And then 
uh, you know, the rules of how they were going to bring everybody back was dictated by Tony as well. Like, I cannot lose what I gained, which is a daughter and, and a family and, and that growth that he'd been seeking for so long and sort of a quiet life. So, like, you know, as as much of as it was closure for him to meet his father, like he was really, uh, uh, you know, thrust into this quest by wanting to be a better dad in general. Um, so it, it's all interlaced there. I, I certainly would would do anything for my daughter. So I completely understand, um, you know, the need to to reunite families and, and make people whole again, but keep what I had as well. Sure. So the the underlying theme that I love about Tony throughout all of these movies and that I think is is closed completely at the end of Endgame is Tony's desire to sleep and to be at peace and he's always got trouble sleeping and like yeah as someone who lives in new york city and works in social media like my brain feels like it's wired all the time i cannot imagine what it would be like to be tony stark you know and so it's so sweet to see him get that sleep essentially in the end (laughs) like and he's he's going home we're going night night and pepper asks him early on like but but can you rest like Right. You know, when he was, you know, figured out time travel, does he want to go down this road? And at the end, she says, you can rest now. Like, and, and he did the thing that he had always been trying to do, which is protect everybody. In this household, we put closed captions on everything at yeah. all times. I am a visual learner and I have a photographic <laughs> memory, so I need to see the words on the screen. And every single Hulk line in this movie Instead of saying Hulk colon, it says Smart Hulk colon. <laughs> like in the actual script, the character's name is Smart Hulk. I absolutely love this w- weird, bizarre take on Hulk. I think they eventually realized this Bruce Banner character's trash. This Hulk character's trash. <laughs> let's throw it out. Let's let's just make him funny. Because yeah. Mark Ruffalo is actually kind of a better comedic actor than he is like an actual dra- dramatic <laughs> actor. So right. I'm I'm really glad they eventually leaned into that. For all of the good qualities that Endgame has, it has some not great ones. The biggest misstep, they kill Thanos at the beginning of the movie. They, I, I know we're kind of talking about this backwards because we didn't get to fully unpack Infinity War in the last episode, but like... I know it's still kind of Thanos, but like it still feels like a different Thanos. It still feels like a villain that we just met. Yeah. Now being the final villain of this whole saga. Very frustrating for me. It is. Don't like it at all. And they they are very aware of it and they and they present him that way, that he's not the same Thanos. But I agree. I, I grew to appreciate the the Thanos and in Infinity War so much that I miss sort of like the professorial aspect of Thanos and like his whole reasoning for why he's trying to do this. You, you don't agree with him necessarily, but you do understand where he's coming from in infinity war. And then he's beheaded pretty quickly and you get sort of this like angrier version of Thanos that isn't willing to reveal himself um, or his, or his true intentions. Right. Additionally, I'm not sure I buy fat Thor. (laughs) I'm not sure that that is, something that would happen to that character i don't I, I mean i guess let me rephrase i'm not sure that losing in itself would cause thor to just like throw away everything and become like a beer drinking gamer 
I don't know, man. Because I think he's faced so many defeats in his, like, I think we've seen him lose at various points in the MCU, and he's always that, like, overly optimistic, almost to a fault, like, I'm Thor, I'm a god, I'm super strong, like, I can do anything, and I don't know, I don't know that he would just completely he d- he become a recluse. lose his girlfriend in a mutual dumping, he lost his... <laughs> Uh, his mom, and then pretty quickly he loses his dad, his hammer, then his brother. In between his brother and his dad, has to kill his sister, blows up his entire civilization, and and, and then gets stomped by Thanos, who then kills half of the Asgardians that are remaining, and Asgard is a people, and loses Heimdall and all of that too. So like... Uh, you know that he could have also killed Thanos, but didn't go for the head, and and then when he has this opportunity to go back and see him again, it's too late. Like he's mired in depression, and I kind of appreciate that. Like he doesn't just wipe it all away. That he's like feeling feelings because he's more human. And I so think I that think he's he's always lost, but he's never been defeated. And like with Thanos he was defeated like even when he won he was still defeated i think maybe it's just not quite meeting for me i think about (laughs) uncle rico from napoleon dynamite (laughs) and i feel like that may have been a slightly better like angle to approach thor's depression from maybe um i guess i missed the part where he was like upset that he didn't go for the head like that would make more sense to me that he's like a washed up quarterback that like threw an interception at the at the last on the last drive of the state championship game or something like that. Like that seems like it would fit the character a little bit better. So maybe if they just done a better job, like maybe making him feel like he was like, oh, I, you know, I would have gone state if I had just, you know. Well, they did because when he stabbed Thanos, Thanos was like, you should have gone for the head. So, but now does, he's does like, Thor ever I, like bring had, that back up though? When well, he chops he de- his head he, off. Yeah, when he chops his head off. Right. Like right. I think, but like, there's that. not a whole lot of time in between what we see when he fails to kill Thanos and then when he successfully does. But I think by him being so outwardly aggressive to chop off Thanos's head at the beginning of Endgame, we can tell that that pent up like had i just gone for the head we would have won state manifested itself in him jumping the gun and killing thanos when that wasn't part of the plan or at least it didn't seem like it from the the rest of the groups i think they wanted to get some more information first i mean ultimately it wouldn't have made a difference but right um there's only one way, remember? There's only one way. I mean, if they brought Ant-Man along, the Infinity no. Stones had been reduced to atoms and he could have shrunk down and grabbed him and made a mini gauntlet and put him on and then snapped and brought everybody back. But you <laughs> Leave know. Paul at home. Thank you. So, so this was my whole <laughs> approach to watching this movie. I was like, okay, all we have left is the quantum realm. This final showdown has to be inside the quantum realm where the infinity stones don't work or there's something <laughs> like that. I didn't need a time travel movie. Like you you had a good piece to work with there. And I feel like they kind of overly complicated it. I 
I mean, time travel in general is so problematic and it's such a lousy trope. And again, like MCU sort of makes fun of it and like all the movies that don't get it right and they try to explain it in their own way. Uh, but then you get into like, was Steve Rogers Peggy's secret husband all along? Because if you go back and you watch Winter Soldier and she's by, he's by her bedside as she's dying, they show the two kids that were born. They show Peggy, but they don't show a husband. She doesn't really name the husband. She does talk about how he saved her husband, but maybe she's talking about him. She's a spy. She lies. Uh, he could have been the secret husband all along. It It's possible. I think the writers believe that the russos i don't think believe that so uh you know the the movie makers themselves can't agree to it but like there's a possibility that like time travel was a part of this all along i mean that's retconned as well uh but i mean i i never love a movie that has to ultimately lean into and rely on time travel and i still love this movie but that that is a part of this movie that is kind of problematic for me like why didn't scott just Take take the pim particles, go to San Francisco in 2018 and be like, yo, Hank, uh, hey, it's me, Scott Lang from Current Time. Can you give me a whole bucket of pim particles? Cool, I'm just going to take these with me and then zip back and be like, no, we got all the pim particles and we can try this as many Do times whatever. as we need. You know, like but that doesn't make a good story. So I, I understand it, but, you know, it's uh, yeah, there's a lot of holes. The first, like, hour and a half of Endgame is excellent to me. Sad characters dealing with the fallout of a sad event. That's that's what I want to watch. <laughs> like, <laughs> leave the action sequences out of this. Give me people mourning. I love it. Give me confused people. Give me people who are fighting amongst themselves in a room. Absolutely love it. All of that being said about Avengers Endgame. Guardians of the Galaxy is a freaking great time of a movie. This is the teen beach movie of Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe movies. I be watching all of these Marvel movies so bored with all this spy stuff and shield stuff and action movies. Oh my and gosh. all of a sudden, the opening credits to Guardian of the Galaxy starts playing Hooked on a Feeling. And I'm like, this is a breath of fresh air and I'm obsessed with it. I hate dry humor. I hate anti-humor. For some reason, Drax lands with me in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. I can't decide which of the Guardians is my favorite character. I'm like, oh, Rock's my favorite. But Groot's really good, too. I also really like Groot. I like Drax has his moments, too. But Peter Quill's also kind of funny sometimes. But Gormora's, like, awesome and has a cool, like, inner conflict going on. They're all great. and and. Like I said last episode when we were talking about Volume 2's opening credit sequence, that's what Guardians of the Galaxy is about. It's about these lovable characters. It's not really so much about what they're doing. Even though what they are doing is important. They got Infinity Stone. It's important to the whole thing. John C. Riley, Love Great yeah, get. Love great love get for such a small role <laughs> so like in this movie. It's so random. He doesn't even really do a whole lot of like funny John C. Riley things. He's just like Dude, anything there. he says is amazing. I think he was supposed to be in number two, but there was a scheduling conflict, so they couldn't get him in it. Uh, yeah. So, so amazing. Uh, the climax of guardians of the galaxy, another like anti-climax thing that I normally hate in a movie, but this movie is so 
weird and ragtag and thrown together that I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I hate I'll it. give it a pass. I sure. Ah, uh, I hate it <laughs> so much. I hate the if dance you're, so much. Unfortunately, Avengers Endgame is only good in the context of all of the other MCU movies. Guardians of the Galaxy is a fun watch for MCU fans, non-MCU fans. It's a standalone film. It fits nicely into the cinematic universe, has its purpose. Go with Guardians. All right, Travis, you're breaking the tie. I I love both of these movies, and I really love Endgame because it's the culmination of so much stuff. And and you know, Nebula's great in it too. Like Karen Gillian's role is 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 done so well, and she's super. She's the one that snaps in the comic. Like she defeats her dad by hmm. by bringing everybody back. Um, but understand, you know, why Tony was really important in this version. Uh, but I didn't need convincing Chris. Like I put these two movies up against each other and they're both hard to make, but like one does stand out on its own a little bit more and it's guardians of the galaxy. So we got an upset here. All right. We've got guardians moving on to the final four. The number one seed goes down. All right, let's move on to the next elite eight matchup. It's number four, black Panther versus number five, Thor Ragnarok. Buckle up. I wish I had gone first last round because, oh my goodness. Maybe I got to go get a um, beer. This is going to be a yeah. tough one. <laughs> yeah. For real. So Forget that Doctor I guess, Strange water. Uh, I, we got to start with Thor Ragnarok. Had high expectations for this movie because yep. I remember people generally loving this film. And I'm happy to say my expectations were met and exceeded somehow <laughs> with this movie. Uh, Mentioned last episode, Loki, I think they finally got him right here where he's not really anyone's ally or enemy. He's just there. He's going to screw you over when you need him, but also could help you when you need him too. You don't really know. He's cozied up to Jeff Goldblum, but he's also kind of got his own agenda. He might be helping Thor. It's just like whatever situation suits him in that moment. Love that for Loki. Also, I feel like they finally got Thor right here. It was like they realized that Chris Hemsworth is a funny person. and They were like, let's just let Thor be Chris Hemsworth. And yeah. that's it. Easy money. He's this meathead that is also really likable. Right. It's super hard these days to have a character that's super jacked and big and quote unquote masculine and not be disliked and be considered toxic, but somehow this works. You know, yeah. he, he's great. Is he a himbo? Is that what you would call that character? He's a himbo? I've never heard that word in my life. You've never heard himbo. Kronk is a himbo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's just a nice guy who's also juicy. <laughs> um, Jeff Goldblum, flawless. As Jeff Goldblum always is. Because he's the most Jeff Goldblum character. He's they said, hey, let's get Jeff Goldblum, but like throw some face paint on him and just let him run wild. And this is just like who he is now. Like he's just this eccentric, like he's a meme weirdo. And if it's not clear, the collector and and Jeff Goldblum's character, you know, Tanelier uh Taliver, they're they're brothers. They're like oh. some of the oldest creatures in the galaxy. <laughs> Like created wow. uh, shortly after the Big Bang, so like it wasn't uh, clear. They're, they're so related. 
That's amazing. It makes so much sense. Listen, there are <laughs> pro sports teams that go through these rebrands, and 90% of the time you're like, why do we got to do another rebrand? You don't need it. Just yeah. stick with something, and then you will find yourself along the way or the fact that you've existed for so long will be the brand. I know where you're going. But Thor got a rebrand with Ragnarok and it works so well. They were like, let's throw out mythological hero and let's bring in 80s hair metal, glam rock, corny, schlocky, over the top, and let's dial it up to 11, baby. But and it, it doesn't... Love it. Dumb him down too much either. Like it feels sort of it's... like this is the direction where he's going because he's coming becoming more human and he's gone through all this stuff. So like he's a little bit looser with his own like self and person and doesn't take himself as seriously as he once did. And and yeah, I mean it is an amazing refresh. And then because uh Disney doesn't have the rights for a Hulk standalone movie, so they have to smash Hulk into all of these other movies. They take the Hulk, uh Planet Hulk storyline, which I never read the comic, but I have watched the cartoon version of it, uh, which is like kind of gruesome at, at parts, and it's got Korg in it and who's a little bit more serious. The whole thing is a hell of a lot more serious, and essentially like Hulk gets cut and his blood can like regrow plants and all this other stuff. But like like to put that storyline into this, it just works and fits. So, so well and that that line he's a friend from work like it's amazing <laughs> and like that line was was i think there was a make a wish kid that day that was on set that suggested that line to them and they used it in the movie and it's such a perfect part there too so good you're embarrassing um, me i told them we were friends love everything <laughs> about that the hulk stuff and the bruce banner stuff was a little bit like touch and go at times for me because uh, Hulk also got a rebrand in this movie. He got his, air, yeah. his eyebrows plucked. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. I was cracking up when Mark Ruffalo put on Tony's clothes and was like, yeah. I'm, I'm Tony. Like, we need a disguise. I'll be Tony. And then he's like, ah, Tony's pants are so tight. I, didn't, he, I don't know why that he like, was like adjusting himself and Thor like slapped his hand away like stop stop doing that he's like his pants are just so tight it's like and him and Loki seeing each other again and he's like hello Bruce and he's like last time I saw you, you were trying to kill everybody how are you doing now and he's like it varies from moment to moment just like, this, this is such great banter between all of those characters and the banter yeah. is such a Taika thing yeah yeah just to finish off Bruce Banner, him being like a lost puppy dog in the city, like <laughs> it's just so funny to me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Valkyrie, we get intro to Valkyrie. Great yep. character, super likable, super funny, well developed, strong, all the good stuff you want in any character, and also um, not a love interest, like which is great. Not they don't yeah tack her um, and, and Thor together. No, I mean this is this is my number two on, on my Marvel rankings. Thor Ragnarok It's just so so fun to watch. The icing on the cake for this is the score by Mark Mothersbaugh. Mm -hmm. And if y'all don't know who Mark Mothersbaugh is, Devo, he was in Devo. And if you for some reason don't know Devo, <laughs> you definitely know Mark Mothersbaugh for doing the score to Rugrats. Yeah. He's got this very like whimsical xylophone electric thing going on that just 
it's just a perfect marriage for and pair for him with new the, uh, with the uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory scene that we get. Yeah, it's just it's just it's so good. That that's the only song in the MCU that I've added to my Spotify playlist is that Mark Mothersbaugh end credits song. Wow. Besides Kendrick Lamar's stuff, and I was going to say you yeah. had a whole ass slap of an album, but that that's MCU, like a but... whole other thing. That's like not a score for for a movie, really. So Ragnarok has to go up against Black Panther, and I, I think I want to give you the floor on this one, Kyle. I think I, I think I want you to get the first crack at Black Panther. Sure, it's funny because this is my one and two up against each other right now. Wow, um, that's tough with the. Black Panther being number one. Uh, Travis, uh, I resent the fact that you said that Kendrick Lamar's uh, album is the one from Black Panther that you have on your your iPhone because I have the Black Panther score from Ludwig on vinyl and I slap that thing all the time. Talk he about, does the Mando music too, which is great. He does. The Mandalorian tunes. Talk about a composer that understands contemporary music and knows how to weave it in without appropriating it. And like the fact that him and Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther, were roommates in college, like it's just a match made in movie making heaven when you have a director and a uh, a composer buddies like that because then they just feed off each other and they understand and that's what happens with that score i love the black panther score so much uh can i just briefly chime in that ludwig Göransson is also the music director of nvc's hit sitcom community (laughs) (laughs) i did not know that that's cool this is uh oh man, we have some weird references sometimes. <laughs> uh, community has never come up, and it's <laughs> and it's the through line <laughs> of the MCU. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I talked so much about Black Panther in the best thing of the 2010s. That was a great bracket. So go go back and listen to it. But it, it, the the cliff notes of that was I was saying how important this movie was to like the black community and how we finally had a hero that was center stage. Um, You see Black Panther show up in Civil War and it's like, all right, hell yeah, we got a a black uh, hero in this MCU universe that is like actually raw and can do great things. And then, hold up, we get an entire movie about him and about Wakanda and about, you know, this, this, nation that has been referenced throughout the entire 17 movies before it let's do it and it just meant a ton and not only did it mean a ton but it was such a great movie that it's finally like back to black cinema being great you know and it's paired up with like jordan peele taking over the horror scene and it's just like we're we're no longer just the Medea family reunions. We're out here with like movies that are held highly in the in the critical world that we've always known that we can create, but we've never been able to because we don't have the platform. And so it's great that like Kevin Feige tapped Ryan Coogler to do this. And it's he Ryan Coogler is such a fantastic director that just understands 
movie making and authenticity within his movie making. So the the outside scope of this movie has a ton of impact into why it is my favorite movie, obviously. Um, but just from a pure uh, storytelling experience as well, like we talked about, like it's great that characters are built up to their superpower don't just give it to them right away like let's build them up and the explanation of how the black panther comes to be with this ritualistic ceremony um and it's it's a very natural power that they they're able to take it's it comes from this plant that they then ingest and then become the black panther is so so awesome it's not this like scientifically you know made thing that you inject like captain america and yet they're the most scientifically advanced nation that pairing is just so great speaking of scientifically great nations it's so cool to see the the science ad- even further advanced than like what is already available in this universe come from wakanda and that they have had a issue with opening it up to the world. Like there's still that kind of toggle uh, within the nation of like, you know, we have it pretty good here and no one knows that we have it pretty good here. Uh, Why would we open it up? Why would we let anybody in? And it's that kind of greater good thing that we see resolved in the end where it's like this, as much as we could be exploited, like we are, powerful beings we are strong humans we can stand for ourselves and so we can let people in without feeling like we're being exploited and chris i think you said this during the best 2019 thing but maybe you didn't but this villain killmonger is a great villain who is on his way to feeling like he's doing the right thing and we're all kind of like he has a he has a point. He's trying yes. to he's an avenger. He's trying to avenge the wrongdoings uh to his people and he's feeling like there's something holding that back. Uh obviously his methods of isn't super great, but that kind of b- battle externally is what is also kind of happening internally and we get to see it play out. Uh I just think that this movie is just so well thought out um if i were to say that i don't things that i don't necessarily like about this movie number one is that they we wasted killmonger <laughs> he's a great yes, villain and totally. we wasted yes him. yeah and also that like the world building was so strong and yet we had to have the battle take place in a very like metropolis-esque area of this wakanda nation in that it's like in the the train tracks <laughs> I don't know why that bugs me, but like it could have happened in such a better place. And yet it's we're timing trains and we're throwing into and I understand like why with the vibranium and with with the the um with the uh, the thing that disables yeah, the, the, their the sound suits. waves but, or whatever that disables yeah, the vibranium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I just kind of wish it was above ground. Yeah, there's a. To me, there's a problem with both of these movies that kind of takes me out of both of them, and it's the uh, the CGI in particular scenes, and it's more prevalent in Ragnarok, where just there's something a little bit off around some of the design and CGI, uh, 
and and where I see it in Black Panther is in that final fight scene where they're like you know falling down uh, onto the train tracks and there's something just a little bit off around the the CGI in that scene. Not terrible. It's like you know great opposed to like the rest of history, but uh, it, it takes me out of the moment just briefly whenever I see it in, in both of those films. I mean. Do you mind if I bring in Princess and the Frog into this conversation <laughs> and talk about like like why Princess and the Frog is not as successful as Black Panther is? Yeah, because yeah. in Black Panther, they talk about blackness in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's important. It, it's only a few lines at the end of the movie, but like... That's the stuff that you need to have in it for it to be successful when you're talking about representation. Sure. So if they choose to expand the Princess and the Frog brand, (laughs) which they are, are, I hope that they look to this and say, look, we can include these types of conversations in our movie. I think Black Panther does it well. Does it mostly with Killmonger, but does it with the setting in Oakland as well? It just takes it to the next level. Oh, yeah. After having a black director, a predominantly black cast, all of that stuff. The world building in Wakanda, Travis shouted out last episode. Awesome. This is the type of world building I love where you get to talk about their religions, talk about their rituals and traditions and the agriculture, like stuff that I I just eat it up, you know? (laughs) I yeah. will say it leans a little bit too close to Lion King in places, but I uh, still really enjoy it. Um, Shuri is one of the best MCU characters, period. She's the She's smartest the MCU character. And She's that, that's so like good. according to Marvel. Wow. I'll give her a pass for the what are those reference. I, I, I don't know that we needed that. Um, <laughs> Feels dated in 2021. Marvel has a problem with that because they do it in Endgame as well with a smart Hulk, as we call him, uh, referencing the dab. And and that's uh, supposed to be 2023 as well. So it's and and maybe this will survive. But like Thor and, and the homies playing Fortnite and that like everything was so dated in there. But sorry. Yeah, it's it happens. I especially get a kick out of just the general mood of Shuri's laboratory. She's just blasting Afro beats the <laughs> entire time. It, it just seems like a fun place to be. Um, I guess the one thing that doesn't really work for me with Black Panther is the visuals. I think stylistically, it could have been a lot bolder in particularly the decisions made with camera movement. There is one awesome shot of, I think it's Killmonger walking up to the throne and the camera kind of like spins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish there was more of that in this movie because Ryan Coogler, like you said, is a great director. We also get um, kind of like a behind the back shot of Killmonger when he's burning the, the plants as well as like a good sunset pick as Killmonger is dying. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just think it could have used a little bit more style. 
That, sure. that twisting, though, is is a reference to uh, the twisting of the throne and like where Wakanda is going with him as the lead. So that that's how I took that. It's a visual reference to a change of guard and and what could poten- potentially happen if if he does take over and lead. No, I yeah, I I, I think in Ryan Coogler's defense, there is probably like an MCU style guide, and they and they want to try to keep everything. Uh, you know, saturated the same, and uh, you know they don't want anyone shooting with any crazy lenses or doing any crazy dolly shots and crane shots and that kind of stuff. Um, just to keep the movies all looking and feeling kind of similar. So, like, I, I, I get it. I'm sure he, he could have done that stuff. I mean, this one's tough. I think it's unfortunate because because Thor Ragnarok does feel like it has a little bit of style behind it when Black Panther to me doesn't feel like it has as much style when I thought it was going to and I think it should have and maybe if they make new Black Panthers movies they might lean into it a little bit more because of the success of movies like Thor Ragnarok I think I have to go back to my criteria from the last matchup and like which one of these movies stand alone in a vacuum do I enjoy watching more and oh I guess I'll reference my Marvel movie rankings and Thor Ragnarok's ranked higher so I guess I'm gonna have to advance that one I didn't talk about Ragnarok yet um but like I said, this is my number two movie. I really like it. I like a lot that Taika Waititi does just in general, um, as well as like the fact that Jeff Goldblum's in it, Tessa Thompson's in it. Like this is a a very very solid cast. Uh, I the only thing I could think of during uh, like Tessa Thompson's kind of like character arc is it's very similar to Jack Sparrow, just kind of like stumbling yes, in, yes, drunk, yes. showing up hating where they came from on a mission to do anything else than what they actually are. And then eventually teaming up with the good guys to do something like it's very, very Jack Sparrow. And of course I would bring that up, you know? Yeah. This is that right touch for me of like humor, action, story building, all that good stuff. But like to me, so is black Panther. And it's a different kind of like humor. It's a different type of story building. It adds the world building. Uh, it brings it a lot more home, uh, being not in space <laughs> and not like revolving around uh, the Hulk and Bruce Banner's showing back up. This is like, as like you brought up, like standalone showing up, what are you going to watch? Like, between these two, I have to explain how Hulk showed up here and why Thor is also showing up here. Like, there's a lot more background to be given to Ragnarok than there is Black Panther. Black Panther is a origin story of T'Challa and of how T'Challa came to be this hero. The hero has existed forever, but our current hero we finally get to see. And it's just I just think it's masterfully done as far as pairing culture uh, and this cinematic universe without appropriating either one. I think that it's just so well done. Um, for me, it's going to be Black Panther, which means that 
uh, Travis, you're going to break up this like one and two and two and one matchup here <laughs> and, and break the tie. And I know that you have like these are also hi- held in high regards for you as well. So this is Very just a tough regard. matchup all around. Yeah. Again, like Marvel winning, making these movies, like hiring the right directors and the right writers and the right people that care a lot about the subjects clearly and, and put together great movies. Um, comedies never get the the credit that they deserve. You know, Oscars every year, it's always dramas and there's some great comedies that have been made and they're, they're usually sort of shunned, but it's hard to do a really good comedy. And Ragnarok is a really good comedy. Um, I mean, I, again, I, uh, referenced last week that, uh, you know, I keep a list of, of my favorite Marvel movies in my phone <clears throat> with a sentence or two. And in this one or for black Panther, that one is, uh, that the performances are often overlooked. I feel like a lot of people lean into the message, which is so powerful, uh, the world building, which is so amazing, the creativity of look and feel, which is so great. Uh, you know, Michael B. Jordan gets a lot of credit, but like Winston Duke is awesome in it. Letitia Wright is great in it. Like Okoye is awesome. Like there's, there's really excellent acting up and down the roster of people that are in Black Panther. And, uh, and the way that Chadwick Boseman portrayed this character, which carried such heavy weight, like it's, I can't ignore the fact that like this movie, if done incorrectly, could have been so panned, but because it was done so well and he portrayed this character so well, it becomes even more meaningful. And like, I, you know, I love movies. Uh, I have an affinity for, for some actors, like, you know, people pass away and it's unfortunate, but his death, like kind of still affects me. Like I was heartbroken for days after I learned that he passed. And I still think about him and think about like, what he represents, not only in this movie, but a number of movies and sort of the way that people feel about him and his performance in this movie uh, and just how it could have gone so poorly, but it went so very right. This is the only MCU movie as well that's been nominated for Best Picture. Uh, right. I, you know, th- these are these are tough because they're both great movies, but, but to me, the nod here is, is Black Panther. All right. We are moving on with Black Panther advancing over Thor Ragnarok into our next Elite Eight matchup, which is Captain America Winter Soldier versus number seven, The Avengers. It feels like we just went from like, let's get to the nitty gritty to like, <laughs> let's chat about freaking Captain America. Gosh. Uh, yeah. I had brought up last time that like, I, I don't know, Winter Soldier, one, Travis, I will tell you that it's a very confusing title for any human that has the brain power of Kyle Skinner because I figure that like Captain America was also saved from ice. So is it he he's also Winter Soldier. And so like going into this, I was like, who's Winter Soldier? Why do they call them Winter Soldier? Why are Cold there War? so many? That's what I'm figuring. Was that Cold War? He's he's a Russian spy or a Russian assassin. See, and that's not even what I was drawing from it. That it's because it's winter time, boy. Because <laughs> they keep finding these guys in ice. That's where these super soldiers come from is ice, apparently. I feel like we talked about these quite a bit last time. Uh, so this is, I don't want to 
hark on anything too much. It's tough, man, because I do really enjoy uh, Winter Soldier, but I'm so tired of like this Nazi storyline just in like cinematic history, not even just in the MCU, just like the Nazis being the bad guy and the infiltrating. There's, of course, like uh, someone who is uh, who has corrupted the inside and it's spread and it's been secretive and now it's out. It's a storyline that I feel like is often replicated and I, I, it just is annoying. I will say, as I brought up last time that, um, I forgot that Nick Fury had his eye cut out by a cat and his line is last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye and that someone was a cat and that's fantastic. It's not a cat. It's a flurkin. Sorry. Yes. But (laughs) he definitely treats it like a cat and gets his eye chopped out because of that. Uh, and, uh, and, and another issue relating to Nick Fury in this is that that chase scene felt a, a tad bit too long for me. There are moments definitely that were great with the, um, like the glass and the, the integrity of the gr- glass and how long he had until he needed to take off and him being able to time it. And he, he just knowing exactly what to do as Nick Fury would, um, the chase took up a lot of the time. I think that if the action scene extends past a a point for me, I'm just immediately like it took too long. And I think that this is one of those. So I think I, I think I'm going to go back uh, and advance the Avengers again, um, based on just what it meant with that kind of team up capability, uh, what it meant just with the, the, (laughs) I think that Loki was great in it. You guys, disagree i think that that character is great in it with tony using his uh his confidence to kind of win the day when he's interacting with loki and he's talking about making a drink and he knows exactly what he's doing he's behind the bar like of course tony's gonna be behind the bar uh wheeling and dealing and and having something up his sleeve quite literally in that scene it's just a great display of the characters that we grew to know in a very short amount of time and a really nice jumping off point for the rest of the MCU. So I'm moving Avengers here. Let's talk about Coulson, Agent Coulson. Love Agent um, Coulson. This is this is the thing I want to talk about. Is like I love Agent Coulson, and I can't decide whether I'm mad that he died so soon, or that I'm mad that the MCU didn't kill enough people along the way. <laughs> because like you gotta Doesn't have he... more people die man so like now Coulson's just like that guy that got got like well doesn't Coulson essentially get his own TV show at yeah the, uh, he doesn't Ages of he Shield? dies but then they bring him back and I think there's some Kree thing involved and I, oh, I tried to watch God. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. but it's I can't watch 24 episodes per season of any show anymore so I had to bow <laughs> out pretty early on but yeah he he lives but they don't know that. I don't think anybody uh, any right. of the Avengers actually know that he ever comes back. So I think they they sort of keep him hidden from everybody else. Mm. Um <laughs> to be fair, Feige didn't have control over the TV product at that time. Mm. So it's unclear if that's truly canon in Feige's MCU world or if it's sort of like a, an an offshoot maybe in Earth 615 or something. So 
the Avengers, I'm like digging bottom of the barrel trying to find out things I like about the Avengers because I, I didn't really like it very much. The Avengers is the source of one of the most common gifts that would get sent to me when I'm working on my social media accounts. When Cap goes, I understood that reference because I'm famous for tweeting movie references and like music references. So like I I was like waiting for that moment to happen. In the MCU, I was like, when's Cap going to say that line that everyone always sends to me on the internet? And <laughs> it's always so surreal to see something for the first time that is like the source material of a gift that <laughs> is so recognizable. It's like a, a weird inception moment. Um, so I appreciate that about the Avengers, I guess. Oh, man. Captain America Winter Soldier. I, I'm not super high on it. Like both of these movies, I'm looking at my rankings right now. I got Avengers 14, Winter Soldier 15. So like there it's pretty much a deadlock. I guess the thing that I like the most about Winter Soldier is that it is the total destruction of Shield. Um I hate Shield. I don't care about Shield, don't care about government conspiracies, don't care about deep state. I think it's kind of dangerous to perpetuate deep state the conspiracy theories in 2021 i know these movies came out a while ago but like i feel dirty watching it so i'm i'm all about shield being removed from this narrative uh i i think that's why i'm gonna advance winter soldier so this one's gonna go to travis for the tiebreak <laughs> wow i didn't think you i was gonna shed yeah. a tear for winter soldier which <laughs> is uh <laughs> my very favorite number one MCU movie. And I'm not ashamed to say it like uh, Avengers is a, is a great triumph in, uh, in bringing a superhero team together. But uh, you know, winter soldier, just uh, as I said last week is, is just so grounded for me. And uh, I, I like the acting performances. I like the tension between the main characters. Like uh, I, I, you know, I like the introduction of, uh, of, of uh falcon and how they do it uh you know there's a name drop for stephen strange in there too years before that movie yeah. ever came out um uh -huh. yeah i it, it's a great mcu movie but it's also just a really well acted grounded spy thriller and and i dig that kind of thing so uh, i'm moving on winter soldiers as, as well all right, so let's move on to our final Elite Eight matchup. It's number three, Avengers Infinity War versus number six, Captain America Civil War. So we didn't really get to unpack Infinity War a whole lot last episode, so let's, let's do some real positive things about Infinity War. Number one, my favorite thing about Infinity War, Thor and Rocket Raccoon teaming up on an adventure. This yes. is like my dream team dynamic duo right here. This is like when Steve and Dustin teamed up on Stranger Things. It's like, <laughs> let me take my favorite oddball, not primary characters and put them together. It's like when Arya teamed up with the Hound in Game of Thrones. It's just like my dream come true. Sure. Love it. The Axe, Stormbreaker? Stormbringer? Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. Right? Stormbreaker. Dope. Dope. Like yeah. this is this is the moment when I felt myself like buying into Marvel. And the MC was like this this axe that was forged of 
Peter Dinklage and Thor <laughs> and and Groot's like arm. I was like, this is so stupid and I should hate it. Every instinct is telling me this is garbage, but like I'm into it. I'm so getting that serotonin boost. That's Beta Ray Bill's weapon in the comics. That's that's where that comes from. He he gets that. Huh. As I mentioned last episode, another thing for me that totally works in Infinity War is Thanos. Yep. Uh, we get to see not only Thanos slow down and discuss his twisted ideologies, we get to see his totally indoctrinated cronies like being his little hired assassins. Mm-hmm. I keep saying this is one of my favorite lines in the MCU, but like this is another one of my favorite lines in the MCU. When one of those guys... Or a couple of those guys show up in New York and, and Tony and Doctor Strange and the Hulk are uh, about to fight him and, and Bruce Banner's trying to go Hulk. And he's like, come on, man. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go get mad. Get angry. And, uh, and Tony's like, come on. You're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely love that line. It's Tony's so good. quips throughout this entire movie infinity war specifically are just so fantastic because he's like being dragged back in to this war world and he's going to take shots the entire way so like speaking of those crony guys like normally the the muscle is kind of like meh other than like maybe darth vader yeah, 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 yeah. Those, those, those folks. Um, what they have this line? It's like you've been chosen to be saved or, or something by Thanos or That's Ebony Ma saying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like dark, but it, <laughs> yeah. it speaks to the power of Thanos as like a, a a figure. And and Kyle, you were talking about that with um, Killmonger. Where it's yeah. one of those things where like the villain has reason sort of to their ideologies and you go, wait, they're kind of making sense. <laughs> right. Um, and it's scary. It's really scary to think that knowing that they're the bad guy. Um, <laughs> my favorite Thanos, vegan Thanos at the end of the movie so perfect it's like this guy that has just satisfied his greatest ambitions and created mass genocide what does he do he's just gonna be a vegan and live in a little shack on a mountain like how twisted is that but also how refreshing is that to know that he's not like sitting on a throne being like i control the universe it's like right i'm just i'm just gonna be chill i'm just gonna live off the land this is i got what i wanted that's that's all i ever wanted i don't need to rule over anyone i don't need autocracy i'm just just have this one goal just have this one dream and it's come true and it's, chill out it's, now. it's because they set him up that he thinks he's doing everybody a favor and everybody should be right, so right. grateful for him for cleaning out half of all living beings that like he fulfilled his destiny and he just gets to go live on a farm somewhere and pick prickly pears and 
It's, yeah, I'd like to live on that planet in that hut. It looks really quaint. That's my reaction. Exactly. Right, right. And it makes Thanos weirdly relatable, you know, and, and you hate that. I, I hate admitting that like Marvel did something great, but like Thanos is a top tier movie villain. It is what it is. Um, so in the in the comic, he's trying to impress death, which is like a spiritual being and his whole mm. thing is he's essentially trying to win a date with her and impress her. But so if he kills half of all living beings, maybe then she'll want to like hook up with them. Nah. So it's a little bit of a different, I, I like this version in the MCU where, uh, you know, he witnessed his planet die out because the resources were scarce and there were too many mouths to feed. So therefore he's taking it upon himself to do that for everybody else. A couple qualms with infinity war. <laughs> Number one, how did Red Skull get to space? How can he breathe in space? Travis, please explain to me. He's he's on a planet that obviously has oxygen. Yeah, because other people visit. And also, he's not really human anymore. He's sort of an entity, so maybe he doesn't even need to breathe air anymore. But Clint certainly goes there and can breathe the atmosphere. But remember, yeah. in Captain America, he doesn't die. He gets disintegrated and sucked up into space and you see him sort of blast off and you never know what truly happens to him. Uh, this is a different actor here because uh, the other guy didn't want to come back. Um, but I think it's a, it's, it's a nice use of him uh, to, to put him in this spot. So he chose to just be like the steward of this. No, he definitely stone. didn't choose. He's forced to, but yeah. like by, by whom by the stones. Okay, it's still confusing. I guess I have a tiny brain. Um, <laughs> another thing that doesn't work for me: Peter Quill sucks. God, he sucks in this movie. He Peter Quill the is entire time. Peter Quill is solely responsible it's all his for fault. the snap. Totally, it is. Homeboy, all he had to do was just chill out for like thirty seconds, and Peter Parker would have got that gauntlet off of Thanos's body. <laughs> right. Peter Quill comes off as so unlikable in this movie. It's it's sad because they did a pretty good job in the last couple of movies, like making him kind of a lovable loser. And now he's just like super weirdly like territorial when he meets Thor and like yeah, yeah he's he he screws up in this final battle. Don't like it. Don't like it at all. Yeah. But I'm the worst thing, the worst thing this movie does is they take away Thor's eye patch absolutely incredible moment when Thor gets all of his hair cut off and he gets his eye poked out and he puts that eye patch in and he becomes the new all father. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to see eye patch Thor for the rest of my life. And like two seconds into infinity war, he's like, I'm going to take my eye patch out and rocket. Just like, here's a fake eyeball. Boom. Yeah. I pulled That's this it. out of my butt, put it right in your head. There you go. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Literally. Uh, it's one of those things where like they wrote it and then production later realized that it was a bad idea and Chris Hemsworth was like I can't act with one eyeball people <laughs> and so they had to like rewrite it and like retcon it frustrating though because that was so cool to see him yeah eye patch wielding the power of the thunder and lightning yeah. I mean it does make sense in the MCU that he wouldn't go without the eye because these parts do exist in guardians of the galaxy in previous yeah, movies. Sure. So it, it just makes sense that he would take advantage of the technology that's there. 
it makes sense. It just feels like why did they make it such a big deal in Ragnarok if they were just going to throw it away 30 seconds into Infinity War? Like, that's that's not a story thing. That's like a filmmaking thing, you know? And that's what happens with a lot of, like, sci-fi and fantasy movies. It's like, it's not so much that it happened because it's within the logic of the universe. It's just the way that, like, you frame it in the filmmaking that makes it feel awkward. I won't talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi, even though uh, you're really making me want to here. Um, So we're going up against Captain America Civil War, which I previously claimed as my number one favorite MCU movie. I mean, it's just great. It's Avengers, but they hate each other. Like, that's the chaos I want to see in a Marvel movie. Like, the fact that so many of these climaxes and action sequences and explosions and buildings falling down give me so much motion sickness it makes it so sweet to see the finale of civil war be three dudes fighting in a really small room (laughs) and the primary villain helmet zemo like outside on the cell phone like chilling you know um God, it's awesome. It's like it's like um Star Wars a New Hope when Obi-Wan Kenobi is fighting uh Darth Vader and like there's no dope lightsaber choreography. It's just like high stakes because they both know each other. I'm glad you it's say just, that. Like I don't need to see like backflips off walls every single time. I know that scene gets panned in A New Hope, but like I kind of love that it's just simple and that they're just blazing with swords. Like Right. It doesn't all have to be amazing tricks. Exactly. And like, that's the vibe I get with the finale of Civil War. Like, yes, there is that annoyingly long, like, airport battle. So long. But that's not the end of the movie. Like, the climax is that Bucky versus Iron Man, Steve versus Iron Man. There's so much character behind it. And it's like taken to the next level when Cap punches Iron Man's face mask off. And, like, you see that look of fear in Tony's eyes that, like, you never see before. Like, there's such a human element behind this climax that we literally don't get in any other Marvel movie. I'm obsessed with it. Obsessed with it. There's so much dramatic irony behind it where the audience is like, stop, stop. Like, please stop fighting. Please, God, stop fighting. Like, this isn't worth it. And, like, that is real suspense. It's not spoilers and like you didn't know that character was about to be introduced and that was a twist I never saw coming. Real suspense is like the audience knowing the truth, but the characters not knowing the truth. Alfred Hitchcock said that. Okay, we could do a whole bracket on um, MCU credit sequences and like stingers and uh, Stan Lee cameos, but this is the best, the best, post uh no this is the best stan lee cameo when he's the fedex guy and he comes up to the avengers campus and he's like are you tony stank (laughs) and roadie's like yes yes this is tony stank you're in the right place thank you for that i don't know why i loved tony stank i think stank's (laughs) just a funny word to me There, there are some negative things about this movie um Rhodey should have died for sure. Like I said, I need some more death in my MCU. Rhodey would have been a perfect candidate for death here. Um, Bucky killing Tony's parents is a little bit convenient for me. 
also the idea that like this movie is based on what happens when the superheroes leave town is kind of like semi corny to me because I feel like that's a common criticism with superhero movies. Like we see all these crazy action sequences and things blow up and buildings fall down. Like what happens next? It feels like a lot of people died and there was like unnecessary destruction. Like I feel like this movie uses that as the jumping off point. It's like, it's like they're trolling the trolls. It's a little bit awkward for me. End of the day. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with the personal side of civil war and, and that climax in the finale and like the inner and all of the infighting. I think that puts it over the top for me over infinity war. So what I really, really enjoy about infinity war is that they were able to keep multiple storylines in this movie going and not lose me. Um, You had all of these separate groups going off on their own sort of adventures, and I was invested in each and every one of them. And they did it well. Uh, And it's easy to lose an audience in that way with trying to complicate things. And you would think it would happen here, and it just didn't for me. And because of that, I was invested from start to finish in this one. With Civil War, I was not invested from start to finish because it felt like they were attempting to do too much, whether it was adding too much of the battle scene or not getting to the actual conflict soon enough. It just felt like there was too much filler. Uh, and maybe it was to just introduce all of these characters that we're going to see end up working together later on. But it's just still felt like there was too much happening that I just ended up not caring about, specifically the overdone battle scene. And I love me some heroes fighting heroes. And had we cut the the airport short and just got to Cap and Iron Man just battling it out with Bucky losing an arm, like I'd be absolutely stoked because that was an emotional moment to watch you know you don't want to see either of those two get absolutely destroyed like they did and you definitely don't want to see tony who we've been with since the beginning sort of be defeated and then also cap throw it in you don't want to see that at the end and it's disappointing but that that is what makes a good moment unfortunately what really kept us from getting there was this overdone airport scene and with infinity war i feel like it was the same length movie just it had a lot more filler that i was invested in i'm going with infinity war travis you're breaking a tie man i'm surprised you guys don't like the airport scene very much i I think it's fine I, i give the airport scene a pass uh Both of these movies have a bit of a vision problem. They both have to take vision out of the equation pretty quickly because he's so indestructible. So in the airport scene, it's weird that he doesn't show up for a bit and only shows up as they're already fighting. Uh, That always kind of throws me off just a little bit in Civil War. Um, and And then in Infinity War, they have to stab him in order to keep him from phasing, to keep from flying. 
Uh, right. There, there's so they immediately have to take him sort of out of the equation in order for these movies to work. Otherwise, you can just end it really quickly. Um, I love both of these movies. The thing that tips it for me is just the way that Thanos is depicted in Infinity War. He's just you guys talked about you kind of understand where he's coming from and you even side with him a little bit. Um, he, I mean, he, he has this line to Gamora where he says, uh, but I never taught you to lie. That's why you're so bad at it. And the way that, that Brolin delivers that too, he's, you know, he, he builds her up all the things that he taught her that she's great at, but this is like one of the things she's not great at. I love just Brolin's delivery on so many of his lines. Like, he's just got such a gruff voice now after years of like hard living or whatever. And like, it just blends really well with the look and feel of this character. Um, you know, cap grabbing the, the gauntlet towards the end and getting punched, you know, Thanos kind of looking at him and understanding like, Oh, he's holding me back a bit. That's what kills cap in the comic. Like that punch, uh, takes him out. Uh, so there, there was a thought that, you know, because that scene is in the trailers, there was a thought that, oh, Steve Rogers might die in that scene in this movie. Um, you know, of course, that doesn't happen. Um, you know, I, I love the way that, that it builds, but, it, you know, Infinity War, but it just the way that Thanos is 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 portrayed is what, what tips it for me. And, you know, and I think about, like, the result of of his action and actually being able to do the snap and take out half of all living creatures. I mean, part of it too is like, why isn't he just double all the resources and then everybody would be happy and everybody could stay? Like, that's sort of a weird thing, but he's like twisted yeah. and, and evil in a way. And he sort of actually enjoys what he's doing. Like, there's hints of that that, you know, he, he says in Endgame that it's not personal, but he certainly is enjoying sort of some of these actions. And he even has fun like beating up the Hulk. You know, the way the movie even starts, Infinity War, where it starts with just quietness and you hear nah, nah, and it's all black screen. And then you hear the it's Kenneth Branagh who uh, directed the first Thor. That's his voice as the Asgardian, like calling for help. Um, and then you hear the music again. Nah, it's just like sets such an ominous tone for this movie. And I'm a big fan of movies where like the heroes do not win at the end. And like, you know a bunch of them are taken out in this movie now it doesn't last most of them uh because it's comics and you can always bring somebody back but there's an older movie with rowdy roddy piper of all people it's called they live and he like saves the day at the end but he dies and he exposes like all of these you know aliens that are like living among us but like the fact that he dies at the end as a kid when i saw that like really resonated with me like You Mm. can still win the day and die or just bad things can happen and maybe not everybody always wins. And I really like this about this movie. And this is where I feel like Infinity War is a stronger movie than Endgame because the stakes are so high and they fail at the end. Their own selfishness holds them back. Um, And then they all have to kind of cope with that individually in Endgame. And the depression that sort of comes from that, I, I, I just appreciate uh, how good Endgame does it. And then even like what that would mean to real world, and this is really sick, but like I think about this, say you, like as a parent, say my daughter was delivered and I'm holding her in my arm for the first time and then the snap happens and she disappears. Like the heartbreaking aspect of that 
would weigh on me for so much. And then five years later, she would reappear in my arms. Like <laughs> right. the, the, the sickness that would go into that and like the mind that would be surrounding that is so interesting. So like just the ramifications of that snap make that a really interesting movie too. You know, they never show anything quite as weird as that, but like, um, uh, you know, they've hinted at it in WandaVision, watching people sort of come back in the hospital and whatnot. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Infinity War wins it for me. I know I went a little long there. Do no, you do good. either of you remember when it was opening weekend of Infinity War and the Mets were playing the Cardinals? Noah Syndergaard was on the mound. The Cardinals beat Syndergaard and they tweeted, spoiler, Thor and his friends lose. <laughs> oh my God, I don't remember that. That's terrible. That was a legendary tweet. One of my favorite tweets like ever, ever from a team account. I, I mean, I got, I got so a fight with, with Smash Mouth once. That was my favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah. Legendary. Uh, anyways, continue. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, Infinity War moves on to the final four, and we have our first final four matchup next. It is number eight, Guardians of the Galaxy versus number four, Black Panther. It's Black Panther. Kyle, man. Um, Black Pan- I've, I've just, I'm tired of talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. I've, I have way more... Uh, issues with guardians than i do with black panther and it's mostly just the forcefulness of the peter quill character throughout the film drax lands absolutely uh rocket lands rockets interactions with groot land but the the writing or the performance by chris pratt whatever it may be is just i hit a point and i just don't need it anymore and I'm I'm checking out of of the Peter Quill character, and that's uh, I, important. I understand, but are you looking at Guardians of the Galaxy one after having that character and the brand played out? No, it's it's in just this movie. Like specifically in my notes, I take track, and I'm like, once he makes the pee joke, I have checked <laughs> out, and like. That's important. Is it because it's bathroom humor or is it because Chris Pratt is not as beloved now as he was in 2014? It's the bathroom humor. For sure. Because there was he's made so many jokes up until that point. And then once he gets that, like the is the last resort halfway through the movie to make a pee joke when you've made all of these jokes so far that were references to music and references to the environment around you and instead we're making a pee joke like i just didn't like that and also like when you match up these two movies against each other like black panther is just the better marvel movie in my opinion like if i'm going to send somebody to a marvel movie as black panther being my number one pick and still including the humor, the message, the superhero tendencies, like Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, super fun, can probably be the gateway into MCU for a ton of people. But for me, like Black Panther and its meaning both to the MCU, to who the Black Panther's character is and the building of that world is just way more important to me. Kyle, I get what you're saying here, and and I'm glad that we can establish that Peter Quill and Olaf are the same person. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
I'm giving this one to Guardians of the Galaxy because, like you said, I think it's a good entry for anyone. It's approachable. I don't think Black Panther is not a good entry for anyone, and it's not approachable. Um, like I said, it's got Teen Beach Movie Syndrome for me. Uh, I think sure. I saw it maybe at the right time. Uh, it's an enjoyable watch for me. I get, I get the Peter Quill thing, and I agree with you on it. Uh, but I think the um, the peripheral pieces, the Yondu's and Peter Quill's team, uh, the Infinity Stone implications, the John C. Riley stuff, the Groot stuff, like all of it together, I think makes it a little bit more complete. On top of the fact that I do think it's a little bit more stylized than Black Panther is and ought to be. So Travis is going to break this tie to see who goes to the finals. Man, there's a lot of tie breaking today. Um, <sighs> I don't love that Black Panther kills off its two villains because they're they're good villains. Ulysses S. Claw or Ulysses S. Claw, Ulysses Claw, and uh, yep. and Killmonger. It's not great, you know. Namor is probably going to enter the MCU at some point, and he's uh, Wakanda's greatest villain. He's a dick, and he's. <laughs> good but like they certainly don't get along and it's sort of hinted at with the the earthquake under the ocean um that uh i think it's a koi that mentions it in uh in Endgame. um but i i don't get where you say chris that black panther is not stylized i think it's very well stylized do you is it the look and feel I, of the movie it's it's the editing the color palette the music i think it's supposed to i don't to not feel think or... i don't not think the music i don't i don't not think the like score and soundtrack is stylized but i think it's a little bit restrained like i think they could have leaned a little bit heavier into like the kendrick lamar type soundtrack of the film i think that their intention was to keep things organic because that was a major theme of the film is just like where we've come from everything needs to stay traditional like that th these are major themes of black panther and to keep that also like the the shooting style as organic to that uh i think was an intentional choice sure and and I I don't think that you can deny that Guardians of the Galaxy has a pacing to it as well. It's it's very quick, um, just in the way that it's written and the way that it's edited. Black sure. Panther is a little bit more of like a solemn movie. It's dealing with a little bit more heavy themes, so so like of course like it, it can't match that, but it does feel slow to me at times. I'm going to go uh, anti-Dad Rock, which is uh, very heavy in Guardians of the Galaxy and the, the soundtrack that Gunn picked out for it. I'm going to go with Black Panther on this one. But it, it's pretty close. All right, so Black Panther advances to the finals. Who will it face? It's number two, Captain America Winter Soldier versus number three, Avengers Infinity War. I mean, I tried to go against... Winter Soldier in wait did I ever go against Winter Soldier? I think I like said I don't like Winter Soldier and, and, then, and then it's growing on you. Voted for it every time. <laughs> it's just these Captain America movies, man. Uh, 
yeah, it's Infinity War for me. Like Travis said last round, it's the Thanos effect. Um, but I got a question. This became a meme. Thanos being like, what did it cost you? Everything. That's a meme. But I'm not sure I believe Thanos's relationship with Gamora, like his connection to her and like he kills her to get the soul stone. I don't know. I guess I guess he just feels a little bit too cold hearted to me to really have that impact him that much. It tripped me up as well, but I like for some reason believe the stone. <laughs> like if you right, you if, have to if he didn't mean it, then the stone would have known and not given it to him. Or is he that manipulative? Like I it it's hard. It's hard for me because same. I was like, how does this fool care about Gamora? There's been no hint really that he actually cares as deeply about her. Even in the flashbacks, it seemed like a very, you know, alternative motive to keep her alive. Like, I, I don't know. It felt weird. So, Travis, please bring us in. In Guardians, he, he tells Ronan the Accuser uh, that Gamora is his favorite daughter. So there there is a lineage there in the, the storyline yeah. that, like, he has an affinity for... Gamora more so than any of his other yeah she's she's number one of two um right and also number one to a man who is Thanos <laughs> you know, like, yeah well he's got the 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 children of Thanos too which is you know called Obsidian and Emmy Ma and all those folks sure. so I think he he believes there in this he calls them the children of Thanos so I I think he he thinks of them sort of under his wing as well Maybe he, I'm not quite sure what, if he raised them or what, but, uh, you know, Gamora is his, his number one, the one that he hoped would take over his lineage when he was gone. Some other kind of sus, kind of sketch, not sure if I like it, things happen in Infinity War. The snap? Why is it a snap? The snap. You know, Why isn't it like a, a clap? Could like be a, a clap. A two clap clapper and just everybody's gone. Could be it, just a little fist pump. In the comic, you just put it on and whatever you think happens. So you don't actually need to like do anything. But I think like to show the audience, like it, you know, there has to be an action. It to happens it. just like this. Yeah. So, so the thing that's sus about the snap is it's supposed to be a random 50%, but very conveniently, like all of the OG Avengers survived the snap. <laughs> it's like Natasha yeah. and Thor and Cap and Iron Man and Rhodey. It's like, oh, it's and like then also your, just Iron your top Man. build cast, you know, no big deal. Also, Tony tells Bruce in Endgame when he's about to snap, like, remember, it's just the ones that we've lost. It doesn't affect the last five years. Which kind of insinuates that like you can control who you bring back and who you don't. It's like the time travel thing where like once you kind of like open up a little window sometimes, it's like you you start asking more questions than you answer. Um also like the room gets real crowded in this movie. Like you have so many characters now. That like they just can't all be served well. You get characters like Bucky and Natasha in Infinity War where like you forget they're in the movie because 
there's there's just not enough time for them to do stuff and like you almost uh, i don't want to say i feel bad for the actors because they're probably getting paid a lot of money to do nothing but like i don't know doesn't seem like they're doing that much <laughs> ultimately it's still a better movie than winter soldier I've been trying to get rid of this movie, but I guess I also kind of have been voting for it the last few rounds. Don't need America. Don't need deep state. Don't need espionage. Don't need <laughs> born supremacy. Don't need Captain America. Get them off of this bracket and let's get Thanos through the finals. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you. I've said my piece on everything at this point. Uh, it, it's going to be infinity war for me as well. Travis, uh, I know your fave didn't make it to the finals here, but it definitely made it to the final four. That's pretty solid. Uh, it is pretty solid. What do you what do you think without giving up who you would pick? What do you anticipate with this finals matchup here? Black Panther, uh, Avengers, Infinity War. I think we've got uh, two really strong competitors. Uh, they have brought a lot to the table. Uh, you know they're they're in it to win it. What are some of the other uh, tropes that uh, that athletes use? Uh, they're 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 gonna put it out all on the line. Uh, Leave it on the field. That's yeah, what they're gonna do. Go. Leave it all on the field. Well, uh, we'll see all about that. It's number four, Black Panther versus number three, Avengers: Infinity War. Obviously, there's no secret that Black Panther is my personal favorite movie. Um, and so to see in the finals is like, yeah, it should be here, in my opinion. Uh, it's up against Infinity War, which I also praise for just its ability to tell a superhero story um, with a very strong villain in a way that, you know, as somebody that has consumed the movies or consumed most of them, like by the time I saw Infinity War, everyone in theaters i hadn't seen most of the mcu so like i went into infinity war basically blind to most of the storylines um and i feel like even so i understood what was at stake and i understood the characters roles in this movie and it mostly because when they do split off, you kind of get these roles attached to everyone. So you kind of know already that Thor's been through a lot because he tells us, literally tells us what he's been through and like why he's down. And you know that Rocket is this like wisecracking companion that definitely is not in touch with any feelings, you know? And like them going off, Groot's the kind of like, wait, how, why are they traveling with this like, tree teenager that i guess like if you came in cold you'd be wondering as well but that's an easy explainer you could do that in one movie and it's going to the galaxy um with tony kind of leading that like titan crew is what i'll call them uh and just the interactions between them you get that kind of confident quill that i guess we can say that that's not how he always was you know like this defensive irrational kind of quill that we see on titan but you understand that he's the weakest <laughs> of all the avengers when he's the one that's ruining the plan and you also like dr strange like 
he kind of lays out in this movie exactly what has to happen. He goes, he runs through the scenarios and says, well, there's only one way. Like, there's not a whole lot that you need to also be carrying on your back. Will you be as fulfilled as the rest of the theater when things happen? No, but you'll definitely be like, these are superheroes battling this really big purple evil guy who can snap out the entire existence. And if anything, when he succeeds, that could draw you in into wanting to learn more about this MCU or even how you got there. And that's essentially what happened to me. I love Black Panther, what it means, what it stands for. I love Chadwick Boseman. Like Travis, I was devastated. This is the first celebrity death that actually affected me. I usually don't care. But like to see Chadwick go and what he's meant, his performances hurt a ton. And to know that like we still are going to get Black Panther movies, it sounds like not with him, is kind of just shows the legacy that he has set forth and that they want to continue on. An important movie that I think is still worth showing people as a, hey, what MCU movie should I watch? I'd probably be like, go watch Black Panther because I love it. But I think overall, if you're looking for what is a Marvel movie, it's actions with uh, characters that you can find relatable and even funny at times that doesn't always take itself so seriously where the stakes are raised and you feel like there's a fulfilled ending, even if it is in tragedy. Infinity War takes the crown for me. Wow, Kyle, I did not expect you to go against your number one on your personal rankings. When you love it, you got to let it go sometimes, you know? (laughs) I I tip my cap to you for throwing your personal bias away because I personally like to lean into it heavily. Because I I haven't once in this existence of this podcast. Um, I would just like to stress that I don't dislike Black Panther. I think it's a great movie. I, I I just love Ragnarok and I like Guardians of the Galaxy slightly more than Black Panther. Uh, I, as I mentioned before, I think it does a lot of positive things. Got some great world building above all else. Um, got some really great characters. Tells a great story. Um, the world of Wakanda is interesting. Can't wait to learn more about it. I, unfortunately, I think I just maybe had too high of expectations for it. Um, just because of the way it was received before I saw it for the first time. It was like one of the highest grossing movies of all time. I mean, this is like this Black Panther movie was a cultural phenomenon. Um, so, so I don't know, maybe I just had too high expectations for it, but, um, I don't know. Like I said, it just kind of felt more, more generic than I had hoped that it would going into it. Um, I agree with everything you're saying about infinity war. Uh, I mean, when you think about the Marvel cinematic universe brand, you think about synergy and crossovers and teaming up uh, characters coming together and you think about this incredibly impressive web that these people have created collectively as a team it's not just fiji it's every single person who's worked on any of these movies done a masterful job in making everything connect together impressive will never ever be done again has never been done before something that could only be done with like a, a six plus season tv series 
so impressive. Um, Infinity War is not my favorite, but I think when I think about the brand and and like you said, what's representative of that brand, I have to go with an Avengers ensemble movie and and Infinity War is one and Black Panther is not one. So I'm going to have to agree with you and give the crown to the number three seed Avengers Infinity War. So we have found our best MCU Marvel movie. And it is Avengers Infinity War, the number three seed. And as we do at the end of every bracket, we're going to go ahead and we're going to clap it out. Travis, a recent Avengers movie took the crown out of 20 plus movies. Uh, What are your thoughts on where we ended up here today? I think it shows just how strong the brand has been built over time. These are great movies with great directors and great writers. And Disney has really let, you know, one of the main things that Disney has done is they've let Kevin Feige run with this. There was a a bit of a push and pull a few years ago where he threatened to quit if Bob Iger didn't put him in charge of of these movies and, and these stories. And thankfully, Iger's a great business person and realized like this is the guy that should be in charge and not Jeff Perlmutter. So, uh, you know, Feige being able to do what he wants now, he's a fan of the source material. And I think that's huge. Whereas you look at something like Warner Brothers, and I'm not sure anybody over there really knows what they have or cares about the source material. It's (laughs) rushed to get it out and up and make some cash. I, you know, not to say that this is MCU is just a labor of love. Obviously, it's highly lucrative, but these yeah. are people that love the stories, making these stories, and hiring the best actors and people together to put it all in there. It's interesting that these final two movies came down to uh, a couple of the stories with the best villains. I think you pointed that out, Kyle. That Killmonger was an amazing yep. villain, and you kind of understood where he was coming from. Same thing with Thanos, for especially for the MCU that has a bit of a villain problem. Um, you know, Infinity War has one of the best entrances that I've ever seen in a movie where, where Thor comes down on the Rainbow Bridge and he's on the field of battle and he's standing there with his weird pet friends and, <laughs> and uh, you know, breaks out Stormbreaker and he's got the lightning flowing and all of that, like just goes to show like how awesome these movies are and how much they can like move you with fun and you get those great comic book moments, but they're also good stories. Uh, I'm, I'm totally on board for infinity war winning number one. And it it was a, a tough final four and the whole bracket was really tough. Well, I feel like I need to go see the trainer after this one. I need an ice <laughs> bath or a hot compress or a massage or something. Cause this took some work and, uh, I'm proud of all of us for making it through. And Chris, the crazy thing is they're they're like 24 properties deep on the MCU now, and there's like 20 some more in production oh, or in development. Goodness. So we've got uh, at least another decade in front of us of uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe content. Well, I was thinking about it. Like we've still got a couple more episodes of WandaVision. The following week we get Winter Soldier and Falcon, or Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then one week after that, we get Black Widow. So, right. 
I mean, the Marvel train is back. It's in full motion. And I guess I'm along for the ride. So can't wait for that. Travis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your expertise. So much fun. And uh, hey, we'd love to have you back to talk more Marvel in the future. Thank you for allowing me to nerd it up. This was amazing. All right, everybody. Well, you know how to reach us. Do you have something to say about this? I know we said a lot, but if you have anything to contribute, please hit us up. Hey, do you want to co-host an episode of your own? Do you got an idea for a bracket? Please let us know. Email us at mousematterspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Discord, all linked in the description of this podcast. If you take away one thing from our discussion, remember, we are inevitable. <laughs> <laughs>